The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sean Hackett's joining us with Hackett Financial Advisors. We look at the happenings of today's market trade, and I like how you talked to the late May norm. We get some bearish thoughts. The crops look great. There's some areas that may be a little bit dry, but for the most part, things are looking good. And the numbers look good, too, when the USDA released their report on Tuesday. But it is the, the norm that always seems to change as we get into the rest of the summer months. Well, I mean, normally we, normally we usually get off to at least a decent start. So it's not unusual for the market to get bearish in late May to the first part of June. Crop gets planted, looks pretty good. Like I said, we got some pretty good ratings on corn, has the best ratings, or at least best starts since 1994. But the season is just getting going, it's a lot to go. It's not, you know, usually we will find some kind of a weather pattern somewhere that we will worry about, but it usually isn't in the first half of June. And so, so right now, based upon what we see, you know, the, the U.S. is not going to be supportive at this point to uh, to getting uh, a bullish bid in the markets, but we do think uh, Russian weather actually could be what takes the market higher, uh, at least at this stage of the game, not U.S. weather at this point. Well, and you're saying, Sean, that it, there's some big problems going on right now in Russia with this winter wheat crop. There is. I mean, you have to remember the month of May, they had you know very little rain for the whole month of May, um, which was okay. I mean, you, you can get away with a, with a poor May, but you. But we're now moving the majority of winter wheat in Russia is moving into heading phase of the month of June. It's the critical month where their crop gets determined. And this is when the moisture is needed the most, when the water consumption is needed the most for, uh, for heading wheat. And the, and, the, and the conditions continue to look hot and continue to look dry um, for, you know, right now for the better part of June. And if those forecasts were to hold and verify over the next week or two, you know, they would create irreversible damage, meaning damage that really can't be reversed even if rains came, let's say, later in June or in July. And two-thirds of the entire Russian wheat crop is winter wheat. So they're the largest exporter of wheat in the world uh, now. So this is a big deal. I mean... The Southern Plains having a problem like we've been dealing with all winter long is a big deal. The Russian winter wheat crop getting in trouble, it's a game changer. But we really think this is the focus the market will look at if it persists for much longer. And we think that'll drive the grain markets higher. Whether corn and soybeans should go higher, they're going to go higher if wheat really takes off because that's just the way it works. Well, like, like you said, that it's going to have a trickle-down effect here in the U.S. when we look at the corn and the bean trade. Absolutely. You know, it, you can't have one. You can't have wheat running off to six dollars, seven dollars, and corn's going to stay at four. It doesn't work that way. Um, you know, there's all kinds of substitutable feed factors, and acreage factors, everything. You know, speculators. You know, the ones going up, they like to buy the whole group. It, it's just the way the market operates, especially in the brain. You know. Well, since we're talking on a global perspective, the strikes strikes that have continued in Brazil. How do you see that offsetting what's been happening for our bean market here? Well, the strike in Brazil is pretty serious. You know, I mean, these things—it's—it's—it's it's, it's gone beyond, you know, an idle concern. It's, it's gotten to a point now where things in many parts of Brazil are shut down. Fuel shortages are everywhere. Nobody can move anything. The ports are sort of closed and shut down. And so, so I think you know, kind of like Russian weather, it's kind of like you can get away with it for a little while, 
But we're getting to a point now where even if everything kind of thing, everybody worked it out and said, all right, well, we're all back on, let's get, let's get going again, you know, it could still take quite a while before things revert back to normal and that disruption in what's supposed to be blistering export supplies out of Brazil, you know, can have a really positive short-term impact to our markets if, if, if buyers who are not getting or are not getting the product they want from delayed shipments decide to go get quick, uh, quick delivery from, from the U.S. The second crop there, is it getting the, the rains that it needed after having a couple weeks of some dry weather? Yeah, they've been getting some rains. You know, uh, it, it, it wouldn't say it's, uh, it's uh, you know, massive or overflowing or but, it, but it's enough that I, that, I, that I don't think we're going to have to dial down the crop any more than maybe one more downgrade in the next report from the USDA. Um, and, I, and I think most people have already dialed that in. So, so I, I kind of think we're, we're kind of done with trading the, the, the supplies out of, uh, out of South America. I think now the issue is more of how much will this mean for corn exports? How long will those corn exports remain elevated because of the short crops there? Um, and, and so I think it's going to be more of this residual churning of, in, of better, you know, corn exports than, you know, trying to determine how big or how small the crops are. I think we've moved beyond that now. Weekly export numbers that we normally would see today have been pushed off till tomorrow because of the holiday on Monday. Do you expect any any surprises or is it going to be another quiet week ahead? Um, you know, I don't, I don't really, it's not a time of the year where we usually expect surprises, but given what's going on with Brazil, we may see some surprises and some larger numbers than we might normally expect to see this time of the year. Um, especially for corn, I think corn could surprise. I think we might get some extra business there. I mean, corn exports would be fantastic, but I mean, we, we could get some extra orders there that we would not have normally expected. Yes, maybe some uh, panicky buyers or some buyers that are concerned about delayed shipments just, just play it safe and, and get some extra orders booked with us. We talked about the winter wheat, but the spring wheat seems to be having better progress here in the U.S., not so much so when you head to, to Canada. Yeah, I mean, Canada is, is something to watch. You know, they've had a very, very dry period. Um, and, still, and, and, and it's still kind of a, an usually a, a cool period, too, up there. I mean, we've, we've had some very warm weather, as you know, here in May, but it, 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 it hasn't necessarily been that hot up there. So um, there are some rains that are forecasted to potentially come in some of the wheat areas in Canada. So um, we don't think we're at mission critical there yet like we think we are in Russia. Uh, we think that that's more of a, a spot to watch. Ground folks, now final bell coming up on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sean Hackett is joining us as we head into segment two of the Fontenelle Final Bell. He is with Hackett Financial Advisors. You know, we were talking before we went to, to break, and you had touched, of course, all the talk that's been going on with, with tariff issues. The new issues that came out this morning, talking about Mexico with tariffs. we still got the U.S.-China deal being worked out, NAFTA. So many factors are kind of being blended into a pot for these both grain and livestock producers. Yeah, it's it's a it's a day to day play by play, um, and and it's causing markets to, you know, be bid up and, and sold down and bid up and sold down, and um, and it's very hard to to know on any given day, you know, what what the next soundbite is. But the way we're approaching it is, we ultimately do think that everyone has a vested interest in finding 
some middle ground. And each side is trying to, you know, put, put their negotiating power forward to get the best deal they can. That's what anyone would do. Um, but we still feel in the end, you know, China needs to buy U.S. Uh, grains. Uh, they need to buy, uh, Mexico needs to buy U.S. ag. And, and we still feel that, you know, we're going to offer some of the best product at some of the best prices and they're still going to, you know, buy our product even though there's a lot of fear that there might be some issues, we still think in the end, for all of this volatility, they will still work out that, that very little will have changed in terms of losing business. We actually might find out that we actually gained a little bit from the whole ordeal, although it's just not fun to go through this over and over again. But I think it will work itself out. I don't think anybody has an interest in not making it work out on both sides. Yeah, last time you were on the air with us for the Fontenelle Final Bell, we were talking about the dairy industry. You talked about their being some issues popping up in California. Now you're saying that California dairy is in a crash mode. Yeah, production. Um, last year, there was some very, very intense, persistent heat, and it caused a very rare uh, production cycle. I don't get too technical, but the bottom line is, is that it, it allowed for a record number of cows to be put into production over the, over the, the first quarter into the first part of the second quarter. But what happens is, through the cycle of dairy, you have to then dry those cows down uh, and, and so so what caused big production growth in the first quarter into the second is now causing a record amount of cows to be dried out of production which means production is now in crash mode um, and the rest of the country's production because of the poor prices we've been having you know is only growing fractionally so like in the month of April you know uh, US production of, of dairy you know, was only up fractionally, the lowest we've seen in quite a long time. And that's, we still have much bigger declines than some in California, which is still the largest producer of dairy in the United States. So we think that this is setting up for a pretty significant supply uh, problem here over the summer months, especially if we can throw some heat into the equation. Um, we think we can get a, another pretty sizable spike in dairy prices into, the, into, let's say, middle of July that should offer, finally should offer, you know, dairymen uh, a price that they can actually sell and, uh, and pay all their bills, which would be nice to see after a long period of them losing money. No kidding. Any surprise to you, Sean, that we saw some sharp losses today in the cattle after the limit-up trade of yesterday? Well, you know, anytime you go up as much as they did yesterday, you know, it, 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 it's not necessarily unusual to have some give back uh, on the day after. Um, but, you know, we're various cattle. You know, you, you know that you know, we, we're kind of constructive on the cattle market. We we turned bullish about a month ago, uh, a little over a month ago, and you know we, we still think that the path of least resistance right now is higher, as you know, given the seasonal demand uh, that we see. Um, you know, typically this time of year, the, the dramatic warming up of the country, uh, almost jumping from winter to summer, um, and and the fact that you know the big supplies, everybody knows about them, everybody's already traded that. You know, that fact that we just we just see the path of least, least resistance being higher. We do feel that the China tariff situation will uh, ultimately um, eat, ease itself and, and, and calm itself down like we thought we were at a few weeks ago. And on the margin, you know, that will bring, continue to bring optimism that China will continue to buy our supplies at a time when we, you know, have, have some supplies to sell them at a price that's pretty attractive for them. So, so we, 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 we think yesterday's move is, is going to continue. A give back today is not at all unusual profit-taking a lot of concern from, you know, to the daily uh, daily trading of things. But overall, we're still constructive and we'll see higher prices into July. 
You know, we had a few um, offers that came out yesterday out of the south on the cash cattle, but for the most part, it has been very quiet. Are we going to end up waiting until the 11th hour of tomorrow to see some sort of movement? Yeah, well, I think what it is, a lot of buyers have been sitting back, you know, saying, well, you know, we're just going to wait to buy, and they keep waiting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and what happens is you keep waiting, and eventually, you know, you got to fill orders, and, and, and then you, you, you build up a little bit, and you, you, you still have, all of a sudden everyone realizes that those supplies, you know, are, are not available or not being offered at, 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 at the time that you need it, and then all of a sudden there's a kind of mini panic the other way. So we think you know, we're going to have to move this market higher. Um, to the, and, and we don't think what you mentioned in terms of the number higher, you know, we, we think we're going to have to shake some of the supply loose. For folks to reach you, Sean. Best way to go to our website, Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, Advisors. All right. Thanks so much, Sean Hackett, joining us today from the World Meat Congress going underway in Dallas. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.